What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode 78 of the Lombard Trucking Show. Glad to have you here today. A little bit of breaking news. So finally today, at time of recording, and it's Wednesday, my truck has finally gone into the shop to get fixed. It took quite a long time from estimate to the truck actually going in. Um, if you remember me talking a, a few episodes ago, this uh, process with the body shop has been like pulling teeth. And what's crazy is, is last night I got a phone call, or, or actually, no, sorry, They've never called me. I had to call them uh, because I've never gotten one follow-up call from this place. When I was talking to them, I was asked for this. I was asked for the second time if I was the driver of the vehicle, if I was the one using it. So I mean, it's just been absolute incompetence on their end. But the truck is finally there, and I'm told it is, it'll be another two, three-week repair. But you already know what I'm up to. I'm getting my personal training certification. We're, we're moving forward. We've got our eyes on the prize. We're gonna. We're still putting the hammer down and doing what we can to help the trucking industry, make things better, make the industry better for drivers. But without any further delay, if you're watching, not listening, you can see I have a, a guest on my show today, very special guest, awesome guy, a good friend on Twitter whose engagement is always, always very, very welcoming and, and entertaining. He's a notion aficionado, a WMS sommelier, 3PL enthusiast, Stealth support. He went from teaching two-year-olds baseball to whatever he does now, and we're going to get into it. Mr. Noah Reinish, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. appreciate the invite. Absolutely, man. This is, this, is what, this is what we're doing here at the Lombard Trucking Show. We're talking all things logistics. You know, I like to bring in as many drivers as I can, but scheduling with drivers, I can't get drivers all the time. I'll have unlimited access to drivers because there's so many, whether they've been former drivers, they come and go throughout the industry, but they're spending a lot of time driving and, you know, I'm trying to talk to as many people or links in the chain as possible so we can keep this conversation going. And that's why I'm, I'm glad to have you on. Uh, it's, it's awesome for you to be here. So let's, uh, you know, let's, let's get right into it, man. What's, what's your life story? Where are you from? how did we get here? Well, so first I'd like to say that, you know, in, in lieu of getting a driver today, you, you basically got the opposite of a driver. Um, I, I, I have done everything in my power to never use a car. I bike around the city. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a little different. Um, but yeah, life story. Uh, born and raised in Chicago, um, uh, in the city, not a suburb. I'll, I'm one of those guys where if you give me a suburb of Chicago and you tell me you're from Chicago, I'm going to roll my eyes at you. Um, so about a mile west of Wrigley Field, so north side Chicago. Uh, Whitney Young High School, Beloit College. Studied communication, um, which is basically like studying nothing, I guess. I don't know. It's a, one of those degrees that doesn't do much for you after you graduate. Not, uh, not super useful here, um, but I had a blast. And uh, after college, um, looking for a job, I, I find myself on the Chicago lakefront um, in front of uh, an old guy who's rolling baseballs to kids, you know, about 15 kids and uh, basically just approach him. And I'm just like, yo, do you need help? And so just that right then and there uh, just hopped in and started playing with these kids. And these are like two year old kids, you know, two and three, really young, um, fresh out of college. I don't know anything about kids. Right. So uh, we, I took that company from, we were doing about 30 kids, for an eight week session when I started and 10 years later, we were pumping 1200 kids through the program every eight weeks in Chicago uh, with something like a 90% retention rate. So 
the kids just stayed because they loved it. Uh, it was it was high energy. It was it was nuts. Um, I would I would injure myself later in my in my twenties just working. Uh, you know, throwing out my back, being being old. Um, uh, but it was it was so much fun and coordinating a bunch of high school kids to be coaches and all the inventory and the gear that goes to different locations around the city. Uh, it was it was ops and logistics without really even knowing that it was or without me knowing that it was. Um, so, you know, 29, 30 years old rolls around. I do this for 10 years, by the way. Right. So 29 or 30 rolls around. I'm getting, you know, a little uh, a little older and uh, I'm thinking this is probably I got to look for a change regardless. Um, that decision was sort of made for me when I discovered that my employee or no, my employer at the time was not contributing or matching any of my 401k deposits. So essentially he had grifted about 100k from me. So I had to get the Department of Labor involved. It was a whole deal. Um, so not a great ending to that experience, but uh, you know I learned a ton from that. And um, I was unemployed for like two weeks before I I, I met up with uh, uh, an owner of a CBD company called Half Day CBD, and his name's Dave DeCasola. Um, he's on Twitter, but I can't even remember his his handle. He never posts. Uh, despite me trying to get them to post more. Um, but yeah, they hired me to do their um, events, right? So they would go to all these different, like Taste of Chicago. Uh, well, that's a bad example, but they would go to like Do Division or May Fest or all these festivals around Chicago. It's Chicago summertime is huge festival season for anybody who is unaware. Like don't ever come to Chicago unless you're coming in the summer and then go to all the festivals, street festivals. It's a ton of fun. Um, but we'd get a booth at these festivals and we would we would shill CBD to people. And uh, our, our specialty was was our gummies. Right. We would I'd be at the, uh, a shared kitchen on the south side of Chicago and working with a pastry chef there. We would we'd cook them up. We'd roll them in, in sugar, manufacture them, and then we'd take them out to these uh, events and and giving out samples. It was I mean, it was so much fun uh, for the one summer that uh or like, yeah, I guess it was like a half a summer that I was able to do this before uh, COVID, right? So we're all geared up for our first full summer, tons of events planned. Uh, COVID comes along and all of it's canceled, right? We've got nothing. I remember doing a golf show, an indoor golf show right before COVID hit. And everybody was just looking at each other like, do you have it? Like, are you sick? Who's Who's sick? You know, there was... There was distrust everywhere. And I remember like putting gummies in people's mouths at this show and just being like, who am I spreading a pandemic? Um, which I probably was. But um, so, yeah, that that kind of canceled my entire purpose at Half Day CBD. So we kind of spent the summer figuring out what we were going to do. We really leaned into uh, e-commerce and, you know, uh, driving sales via the website. I tried my hand at product photography. It was awful. Oh man, these pictures of these products are so bad. Um, so that that was a failure in a big way. Uh, after that, we uh, it was right about this time that our um, our three PL ship Bob was taking roughly 
eight days to ingest our product into their system and then have it ready for sale, which is that's an unacceptable amount of time for uh, any e-commerce company, especially one that, uh, you know, manufactures kind of locally and then does small drops. So we didn't have, you know, a month's worth of inventory at ShipBob. I mean, I was I was driving boxes of gummies to ShipBob every couple of weeks. Um, and uh, so we said, you know what, enough of this. This is hurting our sales or whatever. So we, we took all the inventory out of ShipBob and brought it to my house. So we're fulfilling now out of, um, <clears throat> it's actually my parents' house. We're fulfilling out of my parents' house. My sister is helping. Um, it's the, Her room is just full of gummies and tinctures and, and topical creams. It was crazy and it was unsustainable. So um, shortly after that, we ended up finding a space in uh, Sauganash, so the north side, north-north side of Chicago, um, a 1,000 square foot laundromat. And uh, it was a vile, vile place. We, we uh, rented one of those things from Home Depot that gets under the tiles and vibrates really quickly. And so we uprooted all the tiles. We cleaned that whole place. Um, I remember it was like, there were days when it was like 110 heat index and we were all just in there just dripping sweat, you know, uh, spinning up our, our own self-fulfillment warehouse. Um, so we're now doing our own fulfillment, right? We're using ship station or whatever. We're just printing the labels and sending them out. Um, and at this point, the, the owner of, of half day, one of the co-owners, um, is, is real connected with other, you know, entrepreneurs, brand owners, whatever. And he gets some interest from a couple other brands. They say, Hey, I like what you're doing over here. It sounds like, you know, you guys are getting things in and out quick. You're getting the orders out. Uh, could you do it for us? You know, we're a startup. Um, we don't want to put our stuff in ship Bob or we don't want to pay exorbitant fees or whatever. So um, basically a 3PL was born. Uh, Pack Dash emerged from the ashes of COVID half day CBD. So we were, um, we were, we were our own 3PL fulfilling for our own brand. And then we got a couple other brands and uh, they had some nice things to say about us. So we got, we got good testimony. We were doing, you know, good work over there and it kind of exploded. I mean, we went from the 1000 square foot warehouse. We had to punch a hole in the side, get another 1000 square foot. Uh, and then, you know, at this point we probably have seven or eight brands. And then we landed a really large, uh, uh, large in terms of space they take up diaper company uh, as it turns out diapers take up a ton of space so we filled that second thousand square foot space in like you know the first shipment that they sent us it was basically like oh well we may have miscalculated how much inventory they were going to have um so at that point it became clear we needed a bigger space right um so we got twenty thousand square feet out in um, Naperville, uh, another northwest suburb, or is it, I don't even know at this point, uh, northwest suburb of Chicago. I, I black out whenever I think of Naperville and the hour and 10 minutes it takes me to drive there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, uh, we, we got 20,000 square foot there in Naperville, but it's a, it's a shared lease with uh, ServPro. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, you know, this whole time, by the way, I know nothing about logistics, right? I, I have no background in warehouse management software. I have no background in standing up a warehouse. I remember in our 1,000 square foot space, they had uh, 
owner had hired a consultant to come in for like an hour or two hours to just like talk me through it and make me feel less, uh, you know, lost. And at one point I was like, okay, so can we like name the warehouse aisles after Chicago sports teams? And he was like, nah, man, that's a terrible idea. You're going to forget where everything is. You'll never, you'll never find anything. And I'm like, okay, whatever, man. Uh, and, and looking back on that now, that's one of those moments where I was like, ah, thank God he talked me out of that. That would have been impossible. Um, but yeah, so, um, you know, we get out there to surf pro and, and thank God they have all, you know, they have pallet jacks, they have, uh, carts. We had none of this stuff. So, uh, the, the truck that we rented, the, the Penske truck or whatever, uh, it, it wouldn't get to the dock. Like it was too low. Or whatever and we didn't have the ability to like move the tires or whatever so we had all these we had been using these menards racks for all the product so we had to build a ramp with the particle board from the menards racking that like it, it took so long and then we backed this truck up it was so so the racks the picking racks that we used after that had just huge tire treads on them um yeah just it's a lot of uh ended up being a lot of elbow grease to do something that like if we had a little foresight or, or knew what we were doing in terms of warehousing or trucking, we may have been able to prevent. Um, but yeah, so we're in, we're in 20,000 square foot warehouse at this point. Um, I was tasked solely with figuring out which warehouse software we're going to use. So, uh, naturally I, I hit Google and I was just like warehouse software, the, the best one. Um, and, uh, you know, decided between either Lajwa or it was called 3PL Central at the time. Now it's called Extensive. Um, went with Lajwa just because they touted really quick customer support. And they did. They, I, I mean, I was on a first name basis with a lot of their support reps and, uh, and still am on LinkedIn. You know, I'm still in touch with a few of them. If I ever go to uh, uh, Istanbul, I've got like several places to stay so that's it's a good connection to have um are you gonna ask them oh no i was just saying that's it that's pretty yeah the customer service teams for some of these because i know in uh some of the the qualcomm is an electronic log that a lot of fleets use and uh, a lot of the customer service these people are in quebec so it's like (laughs) i always think about those people and i've had sometimes decent experiences so the name of your so what was the name of your company again so the uh 3pl was called pack dash Pack dash. That's what you, and that's what you are now. No. So the story continues as uh, we, we, we get pack dash up to about 45 clients. I mean, we packed 20,000 square feet. Uh, we, we were, we were begging serve pro to let us expand our footprint in their warehouse. Um, and uh, I had given pretty much a, a one year notice to the owners of pack dash when we first started doing this, that I wasn't going to be able to make this, this drive an hour and 10 minutes there and back. Um, every day I needed to have this be, uh, something that could turn into a hybrid role. And we had an awesome warehouse manager, uh, who started rolling CBD joints for us. Like her first gig, she would just sit there in the warehouse and she just twisting up joints. Um, but she ended up being a really good manager of people and extremely organized. And so it was my thought that I could probably, you know, transition to more of a, uh, a hybrid role where I could do remote onboarding and things like that. Um, 
you know, for whatever reason, I was too in the weeds. We were growing too fast and it just never really materialized like that. So in August of 2022, I, I, I met with the owners and I was just like, um, I gotta, I gotta make a change, right? I can't keep doing this drive. So I incorporated myself. So if you're looking at Noah Reinish, the person and Noah Reinish incorporated the business, um, and told them, Hey, you'll be my first client. You know, I'm happy to keep doing all this stuff that I know I can do remote, but I, I just, I can't come in here and be an extra set of hands for picking and packing orders, you know, an hour and 10 minutes, both ways with a, with a new kid, which I forgot to mention <laughs> also happened during that time. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that, that was kind of the unceremonial end of my full-time employment at Packdash and going into the warehouse constantly. Um, I made a couple of visits after that, but in, uh, in February of this year, 23, um, they, they shuttered it. So they closed the doors, uh, ran out of runway. I know they had spent a lot of time looking for investments. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, it, the, whether it was the, the structure of the pricing or the, the you know, the cost of labor, whatever it was, the cost of rent, uh, the, the money wasn't adding up. So uh, it seems like they couldn't keep that going. Um, so half of the brands went to one 3PL, half went to another. And I ended up actually working for a 3PL that took half of the brands. And I'm still working for them now because they use the same software. They use Lodgeware. So I do all the onboarding now for a company called Badger Fulfillment in Harvard, Illinois. Um, and yeah, you know, it's been, a it's been a weird transition going from, you know, just being able to go to work and kind of not have the tasks of my day come to me. Whereas now I'm, I'm like some sort of entrepreneur, I guess, or whatever. And I have to figure out how to you know make money my way. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that brings us to now. And, you know, at some point during that entire time, the owner of, uh, Half Day and Pack Dash had sent me a TikTok that was like the 10 most useful tools that are that shouldn't be free or whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. And uh, Notion was on there. And so I got into that and I like really, really ran with it. There's a lot of stuff in uh, warehouse software that just is missing in terms of how you interact with it and how you are notified of things on the ground at the like picker packer level, you know, the people walking around the warehouse. So I built out for Packdash systems all around Lajua and Slack, you know, the technology that we were using that kind of like filled in the gaps that, that Lajua couldn't handle. And uh, after leaving Packdash, I created a blank template for all of the systems that I made. Then I sort of like slowly started just tweeting them out and uh, got a shocking amount of interest from other 3PL operators for the need for some of these systems to kind of just connect the dots between, you know, what's what the client is doing or what the brand is doing, what's happening on the floor of the warehouse and who's getting notified, how it's being tracked and all that stuff. So um, that's kind of where we're at now. I use the I use try to use my templates as a key to get in for consulting gigs where I can help, you know, streamline onboarding processes, uh, you know, outbound order processes, getting freight quotes, submitting claims, things like that. That's awesome. So Notion is like a TMS 
type? Uh... No, Notion is like a project. I think they technically call it a project management tool. Okay. Um, it's it's kind of like they their whole thing is like think of it like Legos. You know, every every element is a block that you can put wherever you want. Um, but it, it you can pretty much build almost anything with it. Um, I aside from like efficient inventory management, which I did try. Uh, it was it was ugly. It was not a good experience. Um, but you can have, you know, any kinds of forms, you know, enter data into this and then use it as a labor management tool was a big thing. I created a, a point system at Packdash where every time a certain task was done and marked as complete by the manager, that employee got, you know, X amount of points. And then whoever had the most points at the end of the month got a hundred dollar visa gift card or something, you know, um, pretty simple stuff, but, uh, it was, it, it's very customizable and, uh, it'll, it allows you to, like I said, depending on your software, it just, it lets you fill in the gaps kind of for some things that like, there is no warehouse management software that will let you host a library of videos for how to use their own software, you know, which is, is baffling, but that's what notions for. Oh, no, that's a, that's actually pretty awesome. I mean, I used to work uh, in a warehouse myself, and I can't remember the system that they used, but I remember, at least for inventory control, because I did a lot of inventory control, that their cycle counting system was was pretty good for it. But yeah, like you said, training videos and stuff like that within, within that software probably would have been super beneficial. So technically, right now, you're so you're Noah Reinish Incorporated, so you're like you've made your way into, you're just into, into consulting. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I'd say it's consulting. And then I have two, I guess, retainer clients for lack of a, of a better word. Um, you know, one is uh, badger fulfillment where I do, I handle like all of the onboarding for new clients, meaning I get that, that piece, which I really like, which is talking to brand owners and, and learning about their products and figuring out, you know, what their pain points are and what they need specifically from fulfillment. Um, I'm big into that. I'm big into, you know, integrating a, a Shopify site with a, a warehouse management and check, you know, I, I like all that stuff. Um, and then the other company I'm working for is called The Good Company. And it's uh, uh, Chad Carlton. I don't know if you're familiar with him on Twitter, but he uh, he runs a, a big Slack community and then now a, a Twitter community. I guess that became a thing recently. Um, for for people in logistics and warehouse operators in specific, and uh, I'm helping him sort of standardize a lot of processes, create SOPs around uh, you know all the things they do internally and client facing. And so so those two retainer clients are a big part of what I'm doing. And then uh, I got via LinkedIn back when we started Packdash. Uh, I had asked the owners like, okay, what's my title? You know, what do I put on LinkedIn? Like you can be whatever you want, man. So I was like, okay, I am the uh, vice president, executive vice president of operations. You know, I have no idea what that means, but um, I had several uh, several consulting firms reach out to me, and they're like, hey, do you have like an hour to talk about, you know, how you use, uh, how you use, yeah, hi Megan, <laughs> how you use Lajua, right? Um, we're we're thinking about either you know investing in it or or we're thinking about using it for, for our warehouse, or we have a client who's thinking about using it for their warehouse. So I was like, sure, like, what, what's the deal? And they're like, yeah, you know, $300 an hour, and we'll, we'll you just talk about Lodge. I was like, are you joking? So 
executive vice president of operation Noah Reinish is like at kids' birthday parties with like an earbud in just talking about Lodge. We're like, yeah, this is the life. Um, so they're mostly one-off calls. I, I At first I was like, can I do this for a living? Um, but the answer is no, <laughs> I can't. Nobody will pay me $300 an hour to just talk about Lajwa, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so that's another, you know, I have one client that I do that for probably two, three hours a week. So that's another little stream of revenue. But yeah, it's, I'm very much still finding my way here in, in what I'm doing. Dude, this, no, this is pretty awesome. I did, and I do have some questions about this because I have from some friends who are, are keen on getting into this 3PL thing, but I might have to update my, uh, my job description on LinkedIn too. I might have to be the oh, executive I, VP of operations. Listen, man, just inflate it, inflate yeah. it to the moon. It doesn't matter. They don't check and they don't care. I mean, the fact is I was qualified to, to talk about all this stuff. It's just, I'm sure if I had written like, you know, director of operations, they wouldn't be contacting me. So, which, and which actually goes to show, and this is something that I've seen a lot from guys like Alex Hormozzi, who says, like, when it comes to what you're doing for, for a job, whether you want the promotion or a raise, like this system, uh, it, uh, you said it was Lodge, what again? Lajua. It's Lajua. for logistics warehouse. So, like, you can, so for Lajua, for four people and anybody out there listening who works in a, in a warehouse or wants to get a promotion or wants to start their own business, they should, there's probably courses out there or there's guys like you on Twitter who they can pay for an hour of your time to go talk about this sort of stuff. And learning that sort of stuff will make you a more valuable employee to the system, you know, or to the company or to the firm that you're trying to move ahead on. So this is just good. This is just good career advice that you're kind of giving to people. Cause I think people get lost track in how employers are supposed to maybe provide you the right, the training to get these promotions. And sometimes as an employee, and you, you know, it's on you to take the initiative to learn that stuff. So that's pretty cool that you did that. I mean, you went out on your own to, to, to learn about this stuff and it's, and it's paid off. Now, when it comes to this 3PL stuff, so you, cause I think about it all the time when it comes to warehousing, cause I've obviously picked up and delivered at warehouses. I've been to warehouse, like I went to a warehouse once in Kansas city where this, the guy, it was, it was just rented out and this guy was storing um, hair products from Italy and canned food for uh, and there was they were and everything within that warehouse was going to walmart distribution centers but he got the product via rail i'm pretty sure some of most of it came and the product would come in i picked it up and i brought a hair product that went down to bentonville arkansas to the dc down there so what my what my curiosity is you started out with cbd so you guys so you were a company who owned the CBD company. Was this a friend of yours? So, yeah, it was, I mean, it wasn't a friend. It was an employer first, but he uh, it, it was co-owned. And I think they initially uh, set the business up so that there was there was like a parent company. And then that that owned half day CBD. And then they put Packdash under the parent company. And I remember it being a big pain to separate those two, which they wanted to do eventually. Mm hmm. And so uh, Half Day CBD, where were they getting, like, where did that product come from? How did yeah. they get the, how did they get, went and like the CBD? Because you took this CBD and put it in a, uh, a storage space where it then would get shipped out from there. So where were you guys sourcing the product? And if you can't share this information, I just love to know that every link in the chain and 
Yeah. I think no. A lot of people don't know it. I For find sure. it fascinating. And this was a huge, this was a big, you know, value prop with like the founder story for half day CBD, right? Is when they started doing it, they were, uh, they were getting the, like the raw hemp or whatever from, uh, from Kentucky. So they would go, they would rent a van, like a huge Penske or whatever, and just load it up with super sacks, right? Um, it'd be stinking the whole way. Um, and there's a there's a license that you need to have to be able to like transport it or whatever. So nothing they were doing was illegal, um, but they would still get stopped, you know. And and it would still like it smells right. Um, so you know you have to show them this little thing, and the cops don't really know the difference. Um, but you know that, that wasn't a huge pain point. Um, and then eventually, so they would bring the stuff from Kentucky, like the the raw hemp, to a processor here that would like distill it. Um, and, and that's where you'd get like the, the oil from, right? This, the end result of, of all of this is, is you end up with either like CBD oil or uh, like loose flour that you can roll into joints. Um, and we didn't get into joints until like, you know, year two maybe of, of half day or maybe three at that point. Um, but then uh, we found, we actually got in real close with a farm in Southern Illinois um, I want to say tulip tree is the name of it. Um, and they did the processing for us. So we got out of needing to have, have to actually rent a truck or go down there or carry any of that. Cause it takes up a lot of space. It's not very heavy, but it's just like these super sacks are enormous. Um, and so they would process it. And I remember going down there to the farm and watching them do it. It was very cool. You know, it's like a spinning globe of goo that kind of is distilling down. Um, but yeah, and then so we'd bring that that distillate to in you know these big mason jars. We'd bring that to a, a shared kitchen space on the south side of Chicago called the Hatchery, um, which is is like a, it became super famous for like uh, community shared kitchens. Right, you'd have people from like the the local underserved community could could rent the space sort of on the cheap and use it to like start a business. Right, you could you could have like a a ghost kitchen that delivers on DoorDash or whatever out of the hatchery. Um, so yeah, we had a, we had a really cool shared kitchen space there and we would just, uh, you know, I don't know really the science behind it, but the pastry chef chef would incorporate the CBD into, into the gummies, cook them up. I remember having to like wheel them into the freezer, you know, and then take them out and then, uh, you know, cover them in sugar and stuff. Um, and then we, we jarred them up ourselves, put the little seals on them, you know, we're, we're gloves, we're the facility itself is like, you know, GMP certified or whatever. Um, so it was all above board there. And then, yeah. And then it goes into boxes to pack dash where we ship it. Uh, no, they see that process is sometimes what people forget. They think that it's just, it's an invisible hand that does all this work into it. So you, you got the CB. So essentially, because you, so the half day, you guys owned the warehouse space and you oh, were just, it, but yeah. at least it. Yeah. And you, and then you distributed out of there. So I'm assuming you were using like UPS FedEx would come to you. And then you'd mail it out to stores or customers. Was yeah, were were your customers at that time like just like regular individuals, or were you selling it to businesses or like storefronts? It was a mix. Um, I will say that part of the fun of this was that when we had stores in Chicago that bought our product, we would go and 
like drop it off ourselves. Right. So like me and one of the co-owners, we we'd spend days just cruising around Chicago, uh, you know, grabbing burgers and milkshakes or whatever, and dropping off boxes of CBD to different, you know, dispensaries or, uh, you know, we even got into some restaurants where they were doing weird CBD drinks and things, uh, cocktails or whatever. Um, but most of the online sales were direct to consumer. So, uh, we, we'd ship those all, you know, all across the country and even internationally, although Canada, it always came back from Canada. Canada doesn't like CBD. So yeah, it's even though Canada's got legal weed, right? But, but yeah, they must be gatekeeping the market. Now, if this is where it gets kind of interesting. What I'm curious about is so at this point, Half Day just simply needed the warehouse space to distribute their product, but then the diapers come along, and so that's a now I'm I'm curious how did they did this diaper company find you or was this another friend or were you just looking for you know, were you looking to expand the, the warehousing side of things as opposed to the CBD part? So that's a good question. I mean, it. I think the owners definitely wanted to make a change toward uh, warehousing, toward being a 3PL. That, mm. that I think kind of sang to them as we got a ton of traction early on from clients. And I think it kind of played to their strengths. Both owners are career salespeople like they they have a corporate background um they are they are good at selling they can bring clients in through the door uh like like no other i mean it was there were weeks where i'm onboarding three clients you know at a time and we've got to finish it within two weeks or whatever um we tried to have a really quick turnaround time for for onboarding but um as far as the diaper company goes i don't actually know how we got uh how we got linked up with them i know they they came to visit um they, they actually ended up going on Shark Tank uh, a couple months ago. Um, it's called Kudos Diapers. Um, and uh, their whole thing was like, they're all cotton. They don't, uh, there's no plastics. There's no, there's no, she, she walked out onto Shark Tank wearing a garbage bag, the owner did. It was like, this is what your diaper wears. It's pretty good. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know how we linked up with them. It's just that owners are sales beasts. You know, they would bring all kinds of, I mean, we didn't really have a niche at the time, which may have been part of the problem. Uh, we had all kinds of products, you know, we know what we wanted, but once you end up with one giant diaper company, it's like, okay, well now we need the space for this and we can fill it up with whatever we want. Kind of. Yeah, I got you. So you're saying it's better to kind of stick with like one, one product as opposed to bringing in like a whole bunch of different uh, company stuff. I mean, I think I think you need to define your ideal product, you know, whether it's like, you know, real small goods with tons of volume or like you fix problems that brands have that other 3PLs can't. Right. Um, it's just you can't just say you can't just throw a net over every brand and say, we'll take you no matter what, because there's too much variability in there. We had some clients that I don't think they ever did a single order, you know, they're just paying, paying storage. And that's the way that our, you know, contracts were built. Like that's, we're not making money off that. There's account management that goes into any client. So uh, yeah, I mean, these are lessons that I have learned since. And now that I'm like not in it and like deep, deep in the weeds operationally, I can see, I can see a lot of uh, where we, where I think we went wrong, like looking back at it. So it's kind of interesting. Well, yeah, that's good. Cause yeah. Anybody who thinks that like you, you mentioned it earlier, you said you failed at certain things, but 
every failure has led you to where you are today, which is by, in my definition, successful, because here you are helping other people find success built off of, you know, some of the mistakes you admitted to making in the past, which is pretty cool. Um, now I'm curious only because, uh, you know, we see, we're, look at the hats we're both wearing, you know, our, from our friend Reed over there, the four figure e-com God himself who, who developed the idea behind these hats. And so, you know, he, he's kind of dove into this space and now, uh, I want to, uh, make my own merchandise too. Like, uh, that's where I see myself going. I'm trying to get myself, you know, accredited in the fitness world. Um, you know, I've established myself as a driver as somebody who makes this, you know, makes content. I'm looking at, you know, making some merchandise, trucker hats, t-shirts and stuff. So what's, so for guys like me and Reed, you know, where do I, where do I go? Where, where do we go from here? Like, say you're us, you know, I'm trying, I'm, I'm soliciting you for advice right now. Yeah, for sure. No, uh, I mean, you know, a four figure e-commerce founder. I mean, there's a, there's a niche for that, you know, um, there's a couple different ways you could go about it, you know, especially on Twitter, you can find, you can basically shout into the Twitterverse. And if you have the letters three PL in there, somebody will respond and it will snowball in a crazy way. Uh, I've seen threads out of the blue for accounts that like aren't even that huge, just get swarmed with three PL operators. Um, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's the same for, Hey, I need a graphic designer. You know, people are, people love to pitch their services. Um, that being said, there's, I know there's a, I don't know if you're familiar with Joe Speezy or Joe Spizak. Um, he runs mm -hmm. a company called Fulfill and they, uh, they do matchmaking. Um, there's a, there's another guy called named Matt Hertz on Twitter who does 3PL matchmaking. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the way to do it. In my opinion is don't put, uh, don't put a, a time frame on it. Don't rush and shop around and don't just Google best 3PL for four figure e-com operator. Um, you know, like, like do the, do the nitty gritty research, go on LinkedIn if you need, if you need to, but, uh, I mean, and ask me for what it's worth. Like with more details, I can, I can put this in and into the community that I'm in. And, you know, there are three PLs that are very startup friendly, right? They will, they'll schedule the, the contract so that it makes sense for everybody and give you room to grow. Um, so yeah, that, that's my answer. Short answer is, is Twitter, honestly, like do that. Don't Google Twitter. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I've got a graphic designer. We can kind of, we can put together stuff to make t-shirts and tank tops and hats or whatever. And then from there, it's kind of just, you know, source the right people and have them start out. Don't just rely on, on, on Google and stuff like that. I mean, I just, I know that this stuff is kind of the future. It's the future of small business. I talked about this with Grace Sharkey from Freight Waves on an episode. I mean, you, the, the barriers to entry to starting a business for people has, um, has, has dropped and which is a good thing in that aspect. I don't think it's a good thing when it comes to trucking companies uh, personally, uh, because that's what's led us into a lot of issues. Um, and so with that kind of segueing, you do, you de do you deal with any, any freight at this point now? Do you, do, have you, have you had to work with, um, you know, full truck loads or anything in the, in that kind of wheelhouse? Sure. So before I get into that, I just want to finish the 3PL conversation for you by saying the first thing you should absolutely do is pick pack and ship your own orders. Like do that at the beginning, just like Reed is doing the stroller and bringing them all the USB. Like 
that's the only way you can get a full grasp and understanding for what the people that you're asking to ship your orders are going to have to do, right? And if you find yourself writing personal notes and being like, oh, I want this unboxing experience, right? And you want your 3PL to do that, then guess what? That's going to cost more, right? Like give set set yourself up for having good expectations, right? Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, trucking, freight, yeah, please advise, exactly. Good um, note, good notes. Um, so nowadays... Um, my my the most involvement I have with with trucking and freight would be trying to create processes that allow uh, brands or the three PLs that I'm working for on retainer to easily get and communicate and book freight quotes. Um, and I think for the most part, this is through brokers. I, I'm 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 be honest, man. I really don't understand how like the trucking world fully works in terms of brokers or owner operators. Like, could I just call you and be like, Hey, I got a load. Can it, can it go here? Is that like, is that how it works? If you're an owner operator? Um, in, th in, in a perfect world. Yeah. But in theory, so if, yeah, if you're a shipper, so you're saying you want to, you're, you're working for a warehouse, you want to, you want freight moved from your warehouse to go somewhere else. So you as a shipper, uh, ha, you know, as long as you have the, you have the authority, uh, you know, to sell that freight, um, then yeah, you can make a contract with a motor carrier to have them move it. So essentially like if you wanted to use like, yeah, you just have to, we uh, like, I would have to send you a W nine and then, or a, and a carrier packet. Like you can almost, you know, same thing you would do if you hired a contractor or if you're like, onboarding an employee similar like similar things you kind of have to onboard a carrier as a customer of you as the shipper and then from there you and i can negotiate a rate on what to move it um and the, what a broker would do is so say you have so much freight and i'm a carrier of only one to five trucks you need but you need 50 trucks so what you'll do is you know you can you'll you might have five carriers that you normally use but they're all one to 10 truck carriers. They've got trucks all over the country of those carriers. You can only get 15 loads fulfilled. So from there, you might have a broker with CH Robinson, Coyote, um, you know, Echo, or, you know, any, a number of these uh, large retail brokers and you'll give it to them. Uh, you know, they essentially buy the load from you. And then the freight broker is, you know, uh, will then sell it to motor carriers on the open market. And okay. Yeah, it's just so that's what I did a lot of at Packdash, right? I got I, I I I had a huge coup by getting a a a broker that would consistently come in with the lowest rate for us when I would shop around for quotes. I got her into a Slack channel, right? And then I created a form where the client just filled out the form and it went into the Slack channel. It had all the load specs, all the dimensions, all that stuff, and she could just give me the quote. And I could pass it through to the client. Um, so that was that was at the height of my interaction with with booking freight. Um, now it's more like okay, we know that a brand is sending us more inventory. They've filled out a purchase order in Ship Hero or Lajwa or whatever, and uh, we need to you know we need to make sure that's on the calendar. We kind of expect when it, or know when to expect it, and then if it's something that's floor loaded, we want to be able to time it right because um, it's priced based on know how long it takes us to unload it or whatever um 
but yeah, that's not a, not nearly as much um, working directly with, with drivers or anything as when I was at the dock and like physically driving a forklift into a truck after having done an online course on how to drive a forklift, you know, it was so none of that. Anymore. Show the shirt, show the shirt. You're wearing it. Show off the shirt. Forklift certified, which is, is, I am in fact forklift certified. Two hours of of video, video watching on the drive to Naperville. No, it's uh, yeah. For, having a forklift certification is you know essentially the next best thing you can have to to, to a CDL man. It's, I'm basically a trucker. Yeah. Yeah. This 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 economy doesn't run without for, certified <laughs> forklift operators. If I can, if if I if we're all being honest here. That's the, that's the fucking truth. That's but no, man, it, I, I, I love it. I, I love this story. I mean, I think personally stories like yours are perfect for kind of our generation, the Gen Zers coming up uh, and millennials who um, want to get into business for themselves because, you know, the, the economy has moved online. You know, there's so much of this. I think the opportunity is just out there for, for so many different people in the, and the thing is, is the opportunities out there for people who even live in rural areas uh, because there's land and that, you know, there's opportunities for, for growth, especially expanding outward, you know, Chicago's tough real estate, you know, real estate's more scarce, except when you get outside the city, that's why it's in the suburbs, which by the way, I have to mention, I, I, I really love that you're from the city. A, a good friend of mine, uh, I was in the Marines with. He's from Chicago, not too far from where you you lived. Actually, his name's Mike. Mike Fest. His dad was a Chicago cop. Really, I forget. I'd have to get his high school. We can talk offline. Good, good dude. He's uh, thirty four now, so he's he's around our age. Yeah. You, you might you might have known him, and he used to because kids in our unit would say like when you ask him where they're from, they would be like, "Oh, I'm from Chicago," and he would be like, "Yeah, what street?" Yeah. And, they, and they'd be like, oh, uh, yeah, they'd be like, oh, I'm actually. From, and it, what's funny is there's a Chicago suburb that's called Lombard. Right? Okay. There's, a, there's a Lombard, Illinois. Yeah. Okay. And which is and because I've had people from Illinois ask me about that. And yeah, that's he used to corner guys all the time. And it's funny because one kid, he's just like, oh, yeah, I'm from Chicago. And he's like, yeah, what street? And he was just like, oh, I'm on the outskirts. And then and it, he's like, pull out your driver's license. And he's and he's actually from Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I'm only an hour and a half drive, though. So I just say Chicago because the Chicagoland it's, area is a yeah. big me- metropolis. Yeah, because I, mean, the, I should have led with the streets, Damon and Addison. I should have yeah. just went with that confidently instead of saying the north side. Yeah, just say, yeah, Main Street or Sherman, whatever it is. Because another a big uh, people from Massachusetts are big offenders of this too. Anytime you ask somebody from Mass where they're from, they'll be like, oh, I'm from Boston. And it's like, oh, yeah, whereabouts? Like Beacon Hill, you know, wh- where'd you live? And it's always, oh, I'm actually from Worcester or, you know, I live in Dedham. And it's like, yeah, they don't actually fucking live in Boston, but they just say it because they pretend they think that Massachusetts isn't, you know, people don't know it, know it that well. And it's just like, yeah, don't don't lie to yourself. You're not from the city. You know, so I, I love that you're actually from the city, dude. No, but flaunt that proud. You you summed it up as I say this to anyone in conversation. Chicago in the summertime is literally probably the best city in America. There is. It's it's gorgeous. There's not there's always something going on between the White Sox and the the Cubs. All the festivals, Lollapalooza, like Chicago. You know, I've been to Chicago probably six or seven times at this point. Uh, I used to be in a fraternity whose headquarters is in Evanston, so I would get through get through there a lot. And I visited my friend like five times who lived there, and like the summertime is just unbeatable. Amazing. So you, you, what you fraternity? 
What's that? What fraternity were you in? Oh, I was in SAE. Okay. Sigma Alpha Epsilon. Yep. They're, they're I was in uh, Sigma Chi. At oh, college, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. The, Sig Chi was at our school too. A lot of those guys are, are good friends of mine. I, I, I get along with them all. I keep, I keep in touch with them. Actually, it's funny. One kid, he was a Sigma Chi. We just reconnected on Instagram because he's working. Uh, he's like a GM at a Loves now. And he's like, dude, I work at Loves. He's like, can you, you know, can you give me any information? Because he was going in for the interview. I was just like, yeah, you got the best rewards points program. <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm not sure much I can help you. So, um, what's what's the future looking like for you? You think Chicago's it? You're gonna you're gonna believe in Chicago? And I see- mean, yeah, I've got I've got deep roots here. You know, I lived a 10 minute walk away from from my family. Um, my my in laws are in Beloit, Wisconsin, just over the border. So it's a you know 90, 90 mile drive basically a 90 minute drive to for them to get here. And, you know, both, both sets of grandparents are playing a big part in my kid's life. So I don't see myself moving anywhere. There are definitely places that I could, I could see myself living, uh, you know, maybe when, when we're empty nesters or uh, if I feel like uprooting his life a little bit, like uh, Seattle is gorgeous. We've been there. I would love to go to Vancouver for an extended amount of time. Um, But yeah, man, like I, I, Chicago is it's got the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, you know, when you're when you're in the middle of winter. And uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, the the sharpest steel is forged in the hottest fires. So uh, we we deal with those winters so that we can have summers like we have right now, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you definitely. I learned that, too, growing up in the Northeast. Yeah, to, you really appreciate summer once you've gone through. Well, yeah, once you've gone through certain hard winters. So, like, uh, when it comes to Noah Rhinish Incorporated, you, you know, is adding employees on the docket, just like logistics-wise, you know, is this the, or is this the start of, a, of an empire, you think? What are you, what, are you, what are you looking at? You know, I don't, I try to keep, I look a couple weeks ahead at most. Um, I'm, I'm trying to build more systems. I'm trying to learn more constantly, uh, you know, just keep networking, keep, getting on podcasts, I guess, keep talking to people, meeting people on Twitter and uh, just kind of see where it goes from there. You know, uh, there's a, there's definitely a huge, you know, uh, section of people that need notion consulting that has nothing to do with um, logistics at all. And I've found some work there too. Um, and then there's, you know, three PLs and other logistics companies and, and things that, that use notion. And so like, the intersection of the two is very, uh, it's very strange, honestly. There's, an, I don't, I have not met anybody else really that is like kind of this far in the weeds with both of, with all three of these things, warehouse management software, Notion, and then, uh, you know, three PLs. Um, so yeah, I'm, to answer your question, I'm just going where the wind takes me at the moment. No, that, that sometimes that's the best way to go. You know, God, God will lay the path out for you. You know, he tells you to go, you go. And uh, just got to say, this is a fascinating story, man. And just another reminder to, to anybody out there listening, you know, Reed has come on the show twice. Reed's degree was in philosophy. Yeah, he, went to, yeah, he went to school in philosophy. They, we've had people on this show, you know, uh, my last episode, we had a gentleman who spent 20 years, uh, you know, he went to school to be an architect and, you know, did 20 years working in design and then got himself into car hauling, you know, when he saw the time fit. So when it comes to, either making a career change or getting into logistics. Um, Don't let the job descriptions hinder you. Don't let any of that, 
turn you aside. Don't let experience get in your way. When it comes to the logistics industry, similar to trucking, it's it's out here. It's here for, it's not for everyone, but it's for anyone who wants it and to dive in and just, it just takes kind of swallowing that, you know, swallowing it down and not, not swallowing your pride. It's swallowing it down, having trust in yourself, having the confidence of saying, you know what, I'm going to try something new. I mean, you did, you know, and you, you're, you're a prime example of that, Noah. That's, that's, yeah. well, I mean, and so many other jobs prepare you for working in logistics. You know, if you're good at project management, if you're good at sticking to a task list, even if you can organize anything, right. Uh, I mean, you can probably find a place in logistics. And the, the, the other thing that I've learned is that, you know, given the move toward technology for everything, right? If you are using a software, if you are a power user of any software, I don't care what software it is, right? If you use any software repeatedly, you can position yourself on LinkedIn as an expert to do consulting for it, you know? You're the executive vice president of whatever company you work at and you're an expert in this software. Somebody's gonna reach out and, and they wanna hear what you have to say about it, you know? Yeah, no, that's perfect, man. I'm about to have to update my LinkedIn and talk about how I'm proficient in using Spotify for podcasters to upload uh, upload content. And it using- would not shock me if, if you got <laughs> if you got cold pitched. Yeah, might as well. Why not? But hey, man, that's uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Before we sign off, where can the people find you? Do you have a website, or are you just on Twitter? Let so, us know, and I'll, yeah. I'll put them in the show notes too. But. For sure. Good question. I am right now I'm at, on Twitter only at, at Reinfish, R-E-I-N-F-I-S-H. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm currently in the process of working on my landing page, my website, where you'll be able to you know, book calls and, and things like that and, and schedule projects with me. So that'll probably happen in the next two weeks if I stick to my own timeline. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's it for now. Twitter is where I live. You can find me on LinkedIn. Sure. Noah Reinish. Um, and I'll probably you know, respond to your message in two or three months when I check it again. So there we go. That's perfect, man. I want to thank you again for coming on. I want to thank you all out there once again for listening. That's going to do it for episode 78 guys. Uh, With that, I will see you on the next one. Take care. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes, sir.